0: Hello, Protocols, Backets, and Programs. And to the post-punks, the new romantics, the rivet heads, the lovers of new wave, the dancers to dark wave, and everyone who sways under the bat emblazoned umbrella of goth. Because today is World Goth Day. So whether you're reading CVEs or securing CICDs, Play some Susie and the Banshees, write some code to The Cure, triage some bounties to Bauhaus, and find that new wave post-punk sound. Which means this week we tackle a topic to talk about 10 things I hate about lists and what a future of AppSec awareness might look like. In the news segment, a new TLD that means zip, moving big rocks with rust, a top 10 list, wait, uh, another one? An attack tree tool, and more. Paint your nails and stay tuned for Application Security Weekly this is security weekly for security professionals by security professionals it's the show to learn the latest tools techniques and processes necessary to understand devops application security and cloud security your trusted source for the latest application security news it's time for application security weekly Imperva is the comprehensive digital security leader on a mission to help organizations protect their data and all paths to it. Only Imperva protects all digital experiences from business logic to APIs, microservices, the data layer, and from vulnerable legacy environments to cloud-first organizations. With an integrated approach combining network, application, and data security, Imperva protects companies ranging from cloud-native startups to global multinationals with hybrid infrastructure. Start a free trial today and quickly protect your web app locations at securityweekly.com imperva. Business Security Weekly is recorded on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Each week, we address the challenges facing CISOs through our guest interviews, including former and active CISOs. Our new segment is focused on leadership and communication to better help security leaders translate and communicate security risks into business risks. Jason Albuquerque, Ben Carr, Tyler Robinson and others add their expertise to the conversation. I'm Matt Alderman, and I hope you search for Business Security Weekly in your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe to download our latest content. This is episode 242, Just Like the Front, recorded May 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, Mike Shima, and I'm here with John Kinsella. Hello, Mr. Kinsella. I'm loving the music reference, I'm going to go listen to the Front 242.
1: Um, man, if I thought I would have painted my, my fingernails, maybe I could have done like all blue, but maybe next
0: time. Ah, that's true. Maybe next time. And uh, yes, we don't want to forget our, our industrial friends, Front242, Skinny Puppy Ministry. If we th- There's an AppSec lesson here in supply chain. If, you, if we try to figure out how many bands or Skinny Puppy has influenced and or participated in on tracks. Yeah. Robert Smith as well, for that matter. But I think we have an announcement. So let me check that real quick. Security Weekly listeners, Identiverse is just weeks away. Register now and join the digital identity community at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, May 30th to June 2nd. The 14th annual Identiverse will bring together over 2500 security professionals for 4 days of world-class learning, engagement, and entertainment. As a community member, receive 20% off your Identiverse 2023 tickets using the code IDV23-SW20. Register today at securityweekly.com slash identiverse2023. John, this means we, we don't have, we, we get to banter more because we don't have a guest, so it's just you and me. And I've been, there's been a thing on, in the back of my mind, and it's, um... 20 years ago, the o- 2003, that's when the OWASP top 10 dates back to. And this was a time when AppSec was just settling on terms like cross-site scripting and SQL injection. Mm-hmm. It's a list that everyone knows about, everyone talks about, and we have so many top 10 lists right now. But I wanted to see, is it really the right model for modern AppSec awareness? What if we put that attention and effort elsewhere? And so I want to put this idea to the test, but to do so, um, I figured I'd put you to the test as well. So I don't know. Are you, are you game for this? Oh, sure. Let's see what happens. All right. Let's see what happens. <laughs> well, we'll warm you up. We, uh, you know, you like the music references. In, uh, in, in episode 233, you mentioned having Depeche Mode's Violator on CD. Yes. Yes. Which of these tracks is on that sure album? That. <laughs> New Life, Enjoy the Silence, Strange Love, or Master and Servant? Uh, enjoy the Silence. Enjoy the silence. Indeed. And there's a theme here. Words are very unnecessary. They can only do harm. I love that lyric. And uh, maybe some top 10 lists are unnecessary. Let's find out. A couple more trivia questions here to set the stage for us. So when did Buffer Overflow first appear on the OWASP top 10? Uh, it wasn't in the original one? There you go. It was indeed. Okay. 2003. But then what year did it disappear? Ooh. I mean, Top Ten was left static for quite a while. Um, twenty eighteen. Twenty Ah, in fact, well, technically off the list, it disappeared in two thousand seven and was kind oh, of assumed sick. by mm-hmm. other by other entries. But um, that's kind of just points to the, the, the list's content changes and they get a little bit messy and confusing. So I asked those questions just to see, you know, not, not to test your particular knowledge, but to kind of point out there is a messiness there. So Mm -hmm. let's give you some some other chances here. Which of the following does not appear on any top 10 list? Excessive data exposure, sensitive data exposure, unintended data leakage, data leakage, and unexpected consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. Let me go back over so You didn't know the, where this was going, did you? <laughs> the, the,
1: the question was, which of these don't appear on OWASP top 10 or any top 10? Any top 10 list. Oh, Jesus. Um, I still like the sound of the first one, so I'm going to stick with that. The was unexpected data exposure. Uh,
0: the first one was excessive. Excessive. Uh, no. I know I'm going to go is- with that one. Go with that one. for Ah, uh, that was the API top 10 list, <sighs> in fact. And this was, uh, you're, you're gonna hate me for this episode because it was in fact a trick question. All four of those do <laughs> show up on the API security, OWASP top 10, the original, mobile, and the low code, no code one. Um, so, you know, part of
1: the problem with this, I, I did go through these lists before we started recording, but like, they're all so similar that like, and exactly. they all have that little bit of vagueness to them as you're saying that you could, Come up with, you could probably throw us into chat GPT and come up with the new top 10 lists. And
0: it's going to have something which sounds just close enough that I'm going to be like, I've seen that before. You exactly. And so here, let, let's, let's try this again. So that, cause there, there is a lot of this, um, not ambiguity, but, uh, cut and paste. Um, so we just talked about, you know, excessive data exposure. So speaking of data protection, which of these does not apply to cryptography according to top 10 lists? So again, we're talking about all the top 10 lists. Cryptography, is it broken? Insufficient, insecure use of, or unacceptable?
1: Uh, unacceptable.
0: Unacceptable, that is correct. But improper cryptography usage does appear on the desktop application security risks, um, which was a new one to me. I didn't know about um, that particular one. And if- the, the
1: reason on that one, the third one you listed, there's, um, I can't remember which list, but they have a few of those insecure. And there's something about how that list is put together that's just like, one of them was insecure authentication. I'm like, our insecure authorization. Just the way it's written, it's like, what is that? Like, it are you saying there's a problem with the? Is the author authentication not actually done right, or is it is it done in an insecure way? There's something that that use of words just sort of bugged me. So that one.
0: I don't want to yeah, say no, email, I'm glad, email, I'm so, glad you're picking yeah. up on that because a lot of this, these, these lists, and we'll, we'll get, and we'll get into this after we torture yeah. John a bit more, but a lot of these lists is about communication and clarity about, you know, what do you mean? What are we trying to convey? And we do want to pick up perhaps a, a little bit or have some attention to detail here, especially for talking to developers, because if you, John, were just getting a little bit confused or it doesn't sound right about that, Authorization, we do need clarity on what to what what the problem is, what to fix. So here's something that is um or we're, we're still, Let's do another one about data security here. If you were to protect data everywhere, which list would you be following? Uh,
1: pri- well, there's one. It's privacy and data privacy, and there's a second part to the name. I can't remember it.
0: Ah, uh, there is. It's, you're thinking perhaps of uh, there's a data security top 10. However, yeah. the repo exists, but there's been no activity on it. There is, however, a top 10 privacy risks that came out in 2014 and 2022. It's been updated. But this one is the OWASP proactive controls from 2018. So once again, oh, we don't have a list of risks. We have a list of proactive controls, but there's 10 of them. All right. Let's see. Let's do, let's do maybe, um, one more and uh, see just how much we can uh, torture poor John. Across the years of the OWASP top 10, so just the top 10 this time, which of these is not broken? Access control, account and session management, authentication, authentication and session management, or redirects and forwards? The question was which of these is not not broken. broken. Uh, as, as As the list describes, all those are broken, <laughs> they are, but unfortunately, redirects and forwards are just unvalidated so there so that that's that 's the issue with that one so yeah, so I know we we've we, we've made john for for those of you who are just listening to audio he 's rolled his eyes more than once because <laughs> we've tortured him with some with, with these questions and i i I set them up, I set the questions up, not John up to um highlight. Some of these themes about communication clarity. There's so much repetition, um, John. I think you, you had an observation uh, about these lists. As I'm going through those, you know, what are some? Clearly, I'm hitting on some some pet peeves of my own. But maybe we mm-hmm. talk about some pet peeves of top ten lists, or, or ways that you've seen them being perhaps less useful that we want yeah. to we want to highlight.
1: Yeah, and I want to throw a disclaimer in here. Um, we're not picking on a wasp, um, and we're Pro, but we've got a few other ones we're going to talk about over the next um you know 30 minutes or so we're, we're not here to pick on people there, there's a reason these things are out there so we'll probably talk about that as well right. um but at the same time I, I think what's obviously is sort of it's not just grading on mike and myself it's we, we're hearing other folks in the industry talk about this too which is like you can't have ten thousand of these i mean you shouldn't be I, it, it seems a little weird when you're able to have a um a quiz to a guy who's been in the industry for twenty years. And maybe not about the individual little rules in there, but like I can't tell which top ten lists these are coming from. It's sort of it has a smell to it, right? Um, so yeah, I mean I, I think we in we are joking before we start recording what things I'm referring to this episode is the control C Control V episode, because <laughs> like yes. all these lists are almost all the same. Um, and I, I get Uh, You can imagine, you you guys have heard me do this before. I'm sort of trying to empathize and get in position that people are creating these. So I can imagine either a a product manager saying, hey, we need a top 10 either for our product or for our industry segment so we can do a blog on it or or for our security tools so we can say we we actually scan for these things or there's different reasons you need these or maybe some sort of you need to do training for your developers. So let's come up with the top 10 things we want to train them on um, or have them not do. So I get it. But at the end of the day, when there's not really anything unique about them in many, many ways, um, and we're working on some things we might put up on GitHub later, like a, look, I'm working on a, we're both working on a list of lists. And then also I want to do like a matrix of like, you know, which are different, which have which controls. And it would have been a lot easier next time someone quizzes me like this. Um, but yeah, I I think that the intention is there, you know, it's, it's when OWASP started, it was an amazing thing. Um, But the question then is like, okay, in one of them, it was in the, sorry, I do have a bunch of tabs here. In the update from the 2017 to the 2021 update of of top 10. Oh, top 10. One of the ones, I think it was in this list. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm outlisted. Anyways, in one of these, there was um, uh, um, objects that are out of date. And I had a bit of a snigger when that's one of the items in the top 10 list itself because the top 10 list it doesn't feel out of date, but it's like, how do you... I think there's two problems. One is we've got all these lists. And then the second problem is these lists aren't really changing that much because we've, as we've said on this show, we've knocked off one or two things like XSS. But like for a large part, these lists are the same things we've been <laughs> trying to get people to do for the last 20 years. It seems familiar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think to your point too I- indeed and part of the reason we're having fun with John who's being a good sport about you know answering this uh, on a recording is because we're trying to be introspective here as to as well in the sense of we have both paid attention to the top 10, we've used it, we've talked about it and we want to. we, we don't just want to say everything sucks and then walk away. We want to say, well what would we replace it with what would we what would we do differently to your point about a lot of the the control c control v there's an owasp serverless top 10 now this one's particularly interesting because it doesn't actually introduce a new top 10 list it just says here is how you interpret the owasp top 10 for lambdas, for serverless, for, 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 for serverless implementation. And mm-hmm. that to me is starting to get a bit more useful because it's saying we're just going to carve out this particular area and be more specific. So something can be actionable by the developers working mm-hmm. in, you know, function as a service area. So I, I like that direction, but it's definitely not alone since there is so much of, um, uh, things that are broken, things that are insecure, as well as just a lot of the lists, at least five of them have security misconfiguration. And that's yes. one of those areas that becomes so generic. That what do you do about it? Nuts. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's similar to the outdated. And that gets me in the point of, uh i'm going to pull in my 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 other pet peeves about uh secure defaults you know why do we talk all the effort talking about hardening guides and talking about secure misconfigurations what if we went in and said here's what the secure default is out of the box for this Mm -hmm. software stack and uh or create linters or yeah create linters to point out this is a problem this is not a default it should be should be secure
1: i think so I want, I want to try and sum up a little better, at least my thoughts on why these things are annoying to me. Um, and I mean the, the uh, prevalence of these, not so much like that they exist. Is applications, writing software, there's, I think we have decided, we have picked out as a, as a community, these are the top 10 things you want to look at. And maybe that's going to change over time. Great. Um, but that top 10 list, I don't think, if you're writing software, these are things you need to check off. And I think that the original list has been done in in a decent enough way that the topics are, um, that they translate from the the software technology, whether that is serverless or containers or mobile or um, cloud or, I don't know, mainframe or, you know, I think those same concepts of like, you know, take care of input and output, take care of logging, encrypts data, You know security configuration if you want to put that on there fine but you know there's those type of things map across so i would much rather see what you just said where someone says hey we are this is how we interpret this is how we we feel that top 10 should be used with our particular technology versus coming up with a separate list and now because what happens also and, and you actually mentioned already is now you have to have people who are um uh Cognizant and have security experience to stay around and keep that list updated. Because um, I'll say for myself, like I tend to float in and out of open source projects as depending on either where I'm working or what I'm working on or, or where my interests are. So if I help with a top 10 list and you know suddenly me or whoever else security people, we disappear, there's a list there that's now not being updated. So at some point you'll be like, well, somebody's updated, you got to go and find folks again. Um, versus if you're just saying, hey, there's a list that we're going to look at. That let's. this is our, our take on that list or this is how we interpret it. I think that's going to age better, my guess. But yeah, I don't know. Um, we we had a few more lists on top of uh, what Mike had, all the, all the OWASP ones. There's one we have from Istio. Um, there's one from Kubernetes also. And it's like at that point, you're now talking about a different... The, the infrastructure is different. So that to me is is seems like there's a little more value in having that top 10 list, right? For for Kubernetes, it's talking more about the the payloads and the workloads and things like that. Um and you found the Docker one which I still haven't looked at yet. But um yeah, these things we we can probably spend so anyways, keep going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I was going to say, because I was, w- one of the questions was going to, was make you guess just how many OWASP top 10 projects are listed on the OWASP site, and I think there's at least 19. Um, several of them are not necessarily dead or just don't have a, they're, they're sort of placeholders with things like um, Internet of Things, there's a data security, which there's also a privacy risk, there's a DevSecOps top 10, um, let's see, what was another one, there's a, a ten, top 10 client side security risks, there's also a thick client top 10 project. And I think I'm highlighting those just to more, I think to uh, riff off of your point there about there perhaps are some of these tech stacks in different infrastructures that do have something that's unique to them that that Mm. should be highlighted as here is actually a concern that's pretty unique to Kubernetes that, that needs a top 10 list or needs some attention. And for me, this is where I am a fan of the OWASP cheat sheet series for example Mm -hmm. because the cheat sheet series are um quite random there's actually a ton of them but they get very specific into this is a cheat sheet for this particular programming language or this particular tool and that feels much more actionable you could put that in front of a developer and they can say oh am i doing this or not or let me just update my linter to, to make sure every time we do a here's here's a GitHub pre-commit hook that just checks to see if this pattern exists, and yeah. to me, that aspect of automating it, being able to lint for something, suddenly becomes much more powerful and scalable. And it's something that now the, that that pre-commit, pre-commit hook or that linter can remember, even if you, for example, as you mentioned, you know, you, you go to a different company or you turn your attention elsewhere, you're playing with a with with a new list.
1: I'm thinking back to my consulting data. so. um for those who don't know, part of the reason I'm able to talk about AppSec is I spent several years as an AppSec consultant um, going into large companies and helping them with this. And in that capacity, I don't think I ever gave someone a copy of the OWASP top 10. I'm sure I talked about it many times and all that type of thing, but I definitely was handing out copies of the cheat sheets yeah. for how to fix issues that we found in, in, you know, either from static analysis or pen testing, all those type of things. Um, or if I was teaching a class, um, yes, I've taught classes on these things that now I can't tell you which list that they come from, um, but even in those situations, it you know I might we we definitely go through OAS oh, top ten we you know I'd, I'd give them materials around that, but still would be going back and saying okay here's a cheat sheet if you actually need to fix something because what you see with some of these even you know I going through these um, and again I, I I know how these work I'm not here to I'm not trying to cast blame on folks, um, but I think my fav- one of my favorites from this morning yeah they. Um, mobile top 10 project on github if you click on the any of the top 10 items in there they go to 404s so and it's it's and my point isn't that haha they're not updating it or what that type of thing is when you look at a lot of these lists unless it's that major one that's had a lot of work put into it it takes a bit of time just wrap your head around okay what am i looking at here um there's no some of them have like there's no introduction to like hey this is we came up with this for this reason, or this is our thought process, um, or some of those, those things around it. As um, I had a talk recently, which uh, related to this, it looked like it's gonna be a really great talk and really interesting um, technology. But the guy giving the talk was a developer, and he wrote the talk the way you would write a program. So he first talked about one particular type of functionality, then another type of functionality, then another one. But it wasn't until 20 minutes into a 45 minute talk, where, or actually probably closer to 30 minutes, where, Um, I was just, I I felt like I was grasping, like, show me like a, um, some sort of a a diagram or how, how does this work? Are you, are you talking about, is this a product you created or a framework or it was just sort of like, what, what is this? Um, it sounds interesting, but what is it? And that's sort of the way I feel (laughs) with some of these. Um, so yeah, if you have a cheat sheet, like a one pager, it's, it's again, me, right? I prefer not to much i do like reading but like i prefer pictures and things like that or else give me a nice tight bold list of what am i trying to get done here because again most of the people we're talking to they're not looking as part of their job to get paid to study os oh, top 10 they're trying to write software and fix it so the cheat sheet becomes at least in my mind more useful for that aspect
0: it does and i think um and once again i just want to reiterate that point where you're describing about that presentation speaks to communication and having good introductions what how how do you describe uh, why should i be reading this why is it relevant to me and i think Mm -hmm. the 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 og the og owasp top 10 especially the latest version actually does a really good job of that it talks about Mm -hmm. this is not a standard or this is if you want to try to use it as a standard um actually read this other supplemental document about how to set up an AppSec program around it. And I'm using that to mention, there's also some of these items are kind of a mix of technology, meaning here's a design or implementation, but there's also aspects of process within them as well. And one really, I think, obvious one is um, there's a, more the 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 control C control V is the insufficient logging and monitoring, or yes. it's been improper logging and monitoring, or ineffective logging and monitoring. I mean, um, so but but rather than belabor that point, the other well, point is about the monitoring aspect, and and that's uh, well. So I'll go with that in a second. But John, you had a comment.
1: Really quick point on that. i I part of me wonders if the so there's two reasons you'd copy and paste something from one list to another like that, right? One is you're like okay, we know we need this, just drop it on there. I think one of the other potential reasons there is, again, these, these lists are usually written by security folks, maybe some development experience, but like um, they're usually not written by developers or, or people actually who put their head into it completely. So I wonder if part of the reason we see some of that replication is, we know we need something like that logging thing over on this list, but we're not quite sure what that means in this particular language. Um, sort of, but, and it could be partially, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to cast doubt on people, but the other reason it could be we want to leave it generic enough so that it's up for the developer to implement, to figure out how to implement it, but that's the last thing the developer wants or what Give me A, B, C, D. Um, yes. but, anyways, that's,
0: yeah, no, I, I think too, you're kind of describing there one of the re- things that I always prefer in lists is, more about, not to be overly prescriptive, thou shalt do this and only this, but the idea that here's a list of things to avoid. Don't do these mistakes, which mm. is fine. But once you, once you're done with don't do these mistakes, you still have a little bit of crickets about, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? And, um, in, in this case, the, the, you also need security. I just was scrolling through a security logging and monitoring failure. So it's also interesting just to see how this changes language, which I'm a fan of. Clarifying things, playing with language to see are you getting your point across. But the other point I wanted to make here was ASVS. So I am a fan of the ASVS um uh standard. We even had we we talked about it in episode which episode was it? I had to scroll through my links. Uh 232 with Josh Grossman. And um the ASVS is ties more into that aspect of Uh, the the process of development in addition to a checklist of check your authentication mechanisms for this check your authorization mechanisms for this it's more of how do you do this in a sustainable manner Mm. Um, so so I do want to highlight for for as much as we're talking about uh, proliferation of top ten lists OWASP does have some of those to me that I really like cheat sheets and ASVS yeah um
1: I go in a slightly different direction. I think ASVS is super useful. Um, It's, I need a cheat sheet for it. Maybe there's an ASVS Ah. cheat sheet. But um, I I think where what's actually really sort of caught my interest in the last, uh, I'll call it a year, I think, probably guess around that is the maturity models, which I think, Ah. I think ASVS is sort of getting there the same way, right? It's, it's, and what I like about the maturity models for this is, um, I'm just ripping here completely, but oh OS oh, awesome, top ten. Okay, let's well let me just actually look at something while I'm talking. We've we've already covered logging. So let's see, let's pick on um cryptographic failures. Sure, why not? So maybe at like the beginning level it's okay, just you know, make sure that you've got no hard-coded keys or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe as you move up through the, the maturity models around that, you'd start looking at doing more advanced things or making sure that you're um, how do you, both on the testing side um, to make sure that you, you you don't have data that's either poorly encrypted or with known keys or all those type of things, you're doing key rotation. Um, so I could see sort of maybe that, let me pick one more and try to come up with a better example. Um, identification and authorization, excuse me, identification and authentication failures. So again, the same thing, to me, that's going to be two aspects. One is, are we going to let someone keep brute forcing um, that username and password combos? So, how do we actually detect that in code, and maybe you know, at least log at that? Like for like the the first level of maturity, and then as you go through that, doing more um, uh, sophisticated things around that. So, um, instead of hand waving, uh, you know, maybe uh, either using a third party service, which instead of us doing the authorized excuse me, authentication in house, um, actually going through. Um, uh, some sort of third party, either a cloud service or one of the um, known tool that's actually been tested and, and is able to ha- handle higher loads. Um, so I don't know, that's that's part of the way I think of some of this stuff. I think ASVS is really handy, really useful. Um, it's, and, and they, they do that, and I, you know, I wouldn't really say they do, they do that to a small degree. I don't know if you'd agree with me about, on that, the maturity type thing. But um, yeah, it's, it's, It's almost, it seems like it's the, and I can't remember when we had a guest on before, but it it feels like it's the continuation of the top 10 and actually fleshing it out and turning it into more of an essay, um, or a, a novel around that concept. And I think that's great. But again, how do I get that to a developer? How do I get make that consumable?
0: Yeah, and, and the ASVS. Uh, I like how you put that. It's more. It's it's more of the the the, the long form essay version of the of the OWASP Top Ten. It does have those you know three levels: ASVS one, two, and three. But I, I think you've convinced me that the OWASP SAM, for example, Software Assurance Maturity Model, mm. that one talks about. The, the ecosystem of building software. And that's where it does pull in your supply chain, your CI, CD, where you do the testing, how you do the testing, rather than just say, beware of XSS, beware of SQL injection. It's, it's more about the, the, the practice of, of building software and kind of to riff on that a little bit to pull into like identification and authentication failures. You're yeah. picking that from the, the 2021 version, the OWASP top 10. What would be cool for me to see also as well is where are the major threat scenarios there, the meaning, how do you handle account recovery? So how do you, do you, do you require and enforce MFA? Or do you have, if you don't, do you have your system, you know, your application designed to encourage people to adopt MFA for that matter? And what about how you, have you adopted WebAuthn or pass keys or still relying on passwords? These are some areas that I would love to see this type of lists or Cheat sheets push developers, push the industry towards these these positive patterns, these forward-looking patterns, uh, rather than just saying, beware of it. here be identification and authentication failures. And I won't do a pirate accent because that would be terrible. Um,
1: um, so on the ASVS, real quick, my comment about the cheat sheet, googling around as you um, uh, continuing continuing eloquently, uh, they have a a mapping. I would call it a mapping. They call it ASVS index. If folks oh, want to Google that. Um, and what they're doing is they, for each of the points through ASVS, if there's an existing cheat sheet, they've got that listed. So for uh, V1, V1.1 Secure Software Development Lifecycle re- Requirements, they've got uh, links to the Threat Modeling Cheat Sheet, the Abuse Case Cheat Sheet, and the Attack Service Analysis Cheat Sheet. So um, it's a cheat sheet of cheat sheets, but better than nothing, I guess.
0: Better than nothing. Well, John, what is, let, let's say, someone comes to you and they say we 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 want to create a new top 10 list for topic x for for mm-hmm. technology x mm-hmm. how a- after you you know let out a long sigh and you start adding a couple more zeros to your consulting fee just <laughs> to have to deal with that uh, what what's the feedback how how, how do you walk through a, a team thinking they want we want a new top 10 list
1: yeah i think um i think the way I would attack it is and I think you you said a really important thing for which I wanted to bring up and I'm glad you did first which is communication um I mean that that's I think the lives of most of us on or listening to this podcast is how do we communicate what we're doing with other folks or communicate those requirements in this case I think what I want to do is I I'm known in office situations for saying tell me a story I want to hear a story about why do you think you need what what's so unique about what's so unique about your widget that you think you need a, a a top ten list? Which and maybe go through, maybe spend five, 10 minutes going. Okay, here's OWASP top ten. It's been around as you said since you know almost two thousand. Let's just look at the things on this. Do you think that applies over here, or how would it actually be different for your widget? Um, and then maybe maybe what do you do as a result of that? Do you is there enough difference that you want to create a top ten list? Um, Is there, you want to maybe say like, here's our documentation, we're going to use that, but here's where we sort of are, where we find differences, where we think you should think about a little bit differently. Um, Or hell, maybe you go back and become part of the the OWASP group and and work on the next standard of of OWASP top 10 and help that be up to date. Um, I I believe there has been some situations where some of the other OWASP projects have contributed back to the top 10 list now. Um, I'd have to... that would take a, a bit more googling than Go do right now, but yeah, that that's my my least of the first thoughts is is why right? It's it's there, there will definitely be that big sigh in the eye rolling, but how? What do you tell me more? What what's going on? What do you think you, you need to do something differently here? And I think back to th- talking about what we were saying before about some of these um, the disconnect between the the top ten writers and the the um, I'll say software developers is. Are the people who are coming up with this top ten? Do they are they really familiar and intimate with ASVS and top ten and some of the other great docs that are out there already, um, or they just know that exists and they've seen uh, top ten for Docker and now they think they need to do top ten for um, a Podman as well? Wow.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I, I like I like how you, your, your phrase "Tell me more." That yeah. that's a, that's a wonderful phrase. I'm gonna I, I forgot to to prep you and say, hey, we should have John give give an application app sec in three words. Um, now, I, I don't want to make you commit to tell me more, but the, I did want to riff on that that's slightly because bad. it sounds like uh, Ben's from um, ASW episode two thirty seven. He he said, "So what's next?" That was his three words. And I think that's kind of, you know, in that same spirit of what are you trying to get out of here? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, tell me more about the problem so that we can figure out that yes, the top 10 list is the solution or maybe something else is.
1: I'm, I'm thinking of another one right now. I'm, I'm not considering these official, but, um, read the book. Um, <laughs> I, like that. I feel like, and it's not, there's not a, I mean, what we're talking about sort of is the book, but, I think one of the larger problems we have is we keep coming up with, um, we keep trying to figure out, and I think what's going on is we keep trying to figure out new ways to communicate the issues and how to fix them to people, but it's not sticking, so we go back and we try to figure out another way to communicate them, and then we try another way. Um, and we're seeing some things, as I said, get get fixed, but overall, it feels like the book's not being read. And there was, um, I was at B Side Seattle this weekend, um, and one of the I think it was a panel I sat in on, um, or I was listening to it, I don't wanna say I was on it, but there was a, one of the questions at some point when a panelist uh, asked the audience, raise your hand here if you like threat modeling or if you've done threat modeling or you you, you find that to be a cool thing, right? Everyone raised their hand. And it was like, okay, well, um, I'm gonna ask that question again. How many developers here like threat modeling? And like, no hands went up. <laughs> <out? laughs> And, and this is that same sort of thing, right? It's like, how do you... We have a job, we, we care about this security thing quite desperately to some of our loved ones actually get annoyed at it at times, but we care about the security thing and improving the security on things around us and testing security and all those type of things. But still there is a disconnect between um, either having those secure by defaults as you were saying, or um, communicating with folks or getting them to spend enough time or during management to spend enough time to take a breath and go, okay, we need to think about how to do this right. And I think yeah, it's it still comes back to read the book. How do we get how do we get that across to people?
0: Read the book. And yeah. that's a perfect setup for honestly the last point I wanted to make is who is our audience? Now mm-hmm. there is um I think it's a Bauhaus line and one we love our audience, we love our audience, we love our audience. It's a great lyric, a great song. But a lot to me of, to to what I see of the OWASP top 10 is repeating back. You see it at the security B-sides. You see it at all of the security conferences talking about, here's the OWASP top 10. What if we, what would it look like if we presented it to developers specifically? How would you present this to developers? And I think that that's kind of the, the thought exercise I want to leave with, with listeners in the sense of, Rather than an AppSec awareness for AppSec faults, what would you create a top 10 list or something similar to that? And you're going to present it at a developer conference. How would you tell that story? How would you, rather than 30 minutes in, but in the first three minutes, set up, here's what the problem is. Here's how it applies to you because you're working on this language this infrastructure yeah. this type of designs that that's that's the, the the parting words I wanted to leave here and um, John I know that we y- you are uh, once again a great sport for um, answering the, the trivia questions that, that I threw against you unprepared so uh, don't take it out uh, on John yes I did not know those
1: questions ahead of time people
0: no he did um, not and um, but yes take us out of, of the um, of this of this segment so
1: i think what you just said is really interesting um one of the things i'm i'm doing nowadays is is acting as a pitch coach for a few startups and helping them with their their vc pitches how do you because um, i've done that enough times now that I, i'm able to tell you what's good and bad um and I, i'm saying that you know because it's sort of the same thing anytime you're you have something important that you're you know, if, if you're a startup founder pitching a, an investor, you're trying to get cash. If you're a security person trying to really pitch a developer or development team, it's you're trying to get them to improve how they're doing things, right? You're, you're trying to come to a point together. And I think it is sort of what you just said there, that how do you in those first few minutes say like, hey, um, this I'm, it's not I'm here from security, I'm from security, I'm here to help. Um, it's, it's how do we, you know, it's, I'm trying to make your job easier. Um, I'm trying to, you know, yes. I used to love starting off talks. Um, classes saying like, I, I want you to think like a hacker, right? And we've had other guests on here say that before, but it's like, how do you, how do you sort of titillate people and say, Hey, this is going to be fun and interesting. And we're, we're going to make this better overall. I'm not coming to me and say, Hey John, let's talk about, you know, crypto cryptography for next hour. Cause I'll be like, <laughs> um, that was a snore or attempted to snore for those just listening. Um, but yeah, right, it's it's all this type of stuff we're talking about. The reason the top 10 list was created was besides just to document 10 things, but like it just was formed at that initial platform. How do we communicate these things to other folks in a repeatable way? Um, yeah, I, I think and, and I think you're, the, the question is really interesting as we're about to go into the news here, what people should be thinking about as we talk through news stories um, again, it's one thing for us nerds to talk back and forth about like, you know, one of the ones I've got is Intel going towards a 64-bit CPU and dropping to 32-bit, excuse me, instructions. Um, okay. Well, that's neat for us to talk about in our little circle, but how does that, how do you translate or how does that matter to to other folks outside? Like either your, it could be your partner, it could be your parents, could be um, an investor, it could be developers, right? How How is something which is interesting to you, interesting to another group of people? Um, and how do, you, how do you get them excited? Because once they are excited, then they'll be willing to
0: work with you on that. So, yeah. No, I, that, that, that's a wonderful wrap-up. And you got me excited to continue this conversation. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> Fun as always. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break and return with news of the week. Your organization is building and updating business-critical web applications faster than ever. And with so much pressure to move fast, you may find yourself making trade-offs between innovation and security. Now you can build fast without sacrificing security with Invicti, the zero-noise application security platform that helps your dev, sec, and ops teams work together to secure every website, web app, and API. With unparalleled accuracy, coverage, and automation, Invicti scales like no other AppSec solution. Invicti. AppSec with zero noise. Visit securityweekly.com Invicti. Struggling to secure all your applications with modern identity services? You're not alone. But with Identity Orchestration, you can say goodbye to refactoring and complexity. Strata Identity helps you modernize app identity at scale while mitigating security risks and simplifying policy management. Maintain a consistent security posture and simplify policy management with Identity Orchestration. If you're ready to simplify your identity environment and improve your app security, Share your IAM challenge with the Strata team to get a brand new set of earbuds. Just visit securityweekly.com strata to learn more. That's securityweekly.com strata. Welcome back to Application Security Weekly. We just talked about top 10 lists, oh, so many lists, and the things that AppSec cares about but also why it's important to move beyond the Control-C, Control-V of lists and create resources that benefit developers. I'm your host, Mike Shima. I'm here with John Kinsella and it's just about time for the news. But first, one announcement. Our teams from Security Weekly and SC Media were on-site at RSA Conference 2023, delivering in-depth reporting, analysis, and interviews. If you were unable to join us in person or missed our live stream from Broadcast Alley, you can find all of our coverage, including video interviews with leaders from the community at securityweekly.com RSAC. And John, we're back. It's, it's like we've we, been so long since we talked after that uh, break. I'm 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 working on a, a quiz now next on on common weaknesses uh enumeration so CWEs so uh start uh, there there's a few thousand of them so, so yeah, start studying we'll see how it. that goes <laughs> <laughs> But before we get into more quizzes I guess I do have a question it's not directed to you specifically John but uh, you're going to have to help me answer this .zip tld I don't really care. Like, why do we care? To me, this doesn't look like a terrible new thing about phishing. Fishers are just going to find URLs, and if we, as an infosec industry, are relying on users to inspect URLs to figure out whether it's good or bad, I think we failed. Um, should I should I care more about .zip as a TLD? I don't think so. Um,
1: I mean, I think it's it's a little. I. I, I yeah. You know, I think to a small degree, unfortunately, um, users are, as we were talking about last, you know, um, last half it's, it's, it's users are, they're definitely smarter and they're getting more aware about what's going on in here. But even like really, you know, folks that are doing this stuff day in, day out, I mean, security people are trainers or are people who are even actually focus around, um, you know, giving classes for against phishing are getting fished. Um, so that things can become more and more sophisticated. I think that having .zip as a TLD is probably not doing any favors, but that's, a, I mean, that's sort of a Windows centric thing. The other one in my head is imagine if there was a .exe. Um, and the thought that bumped through my head there a second ago is, okay, on a, a Mac or on a Linux machine, that's not going to be as much of a, um I think for me to click on it's not gonna be as much of a distractance that that extension, because we don't care about extensions as much on, on for executables. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it got a lot of noise. Um, I think what's fun to me is is that came out of Google, like what did the Google security team must have really like been drowning their sorrows that day. Um, but yeah, it it's well, we'll have to see how it goes. I think it's it, I, I suspect it's gonna make things worse. But let's come back to it in about six months.
0: Well, yeah, well, that, that, yeah, definitely put that in our six months category. And and I think for me is also too that I I need, let's talk about some, some threat scenarios that are beyond just you clicked a link. It's sort of like, who cares if you clicked a link? What were the consequences of that click? And that's where we could talk about zero days or MFA or different types of things, but. Uh, not everyone is being attacked by zero days. We have auto updates, things like that. So, so that's the thing that the, the, the other aspect of this I wanted to highlight is that clicking on a link isn't the threat scenario. What are the consequences? And let's focus our top 10 thinking on ways of making clicking on a link just like any other link. It's just what you're allowed to do. It's what you're supposed to do.
1: Top 10 li- link clicking.
0: Linky clicky. Either That's that or, uh, implement RFC 3514. Uh, one of my favorite April Fools. Carrier jerks. pigeons? Uh, no, that, yeah. that, this, this is the, the evil bit. Oh, yes. Carrier pigeon was 1134, if I remember correctly, but ah, maybe an Now we know what next week's quiz is going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listeners, help us out. Help, help, send John some questions for, uh, to, to ask me. Uh, other question. I don't have a question here. More of a comment. Um, just a, a triple threat about, Tell Tonica routers from Clarity. Uh, I've from from the the team eighty two. I've highlighted a couple of their articles of this year. I think, and I, I like the write ups. To me, this was pretty neat if if simple in the sense of what the attack scenarios are. And it goes into some reverse engineering. It talks about you know it's, it's, if you're into embedded devices, like picking apart things, read that aspect in detail. Other than, otherwise, it looks like some classic, here is some knowledge. Either you have essentially valid credentials, the MAC address and the password for a device that you've gotten off of the, from physical access or a picture. Of it, or you can impersonate that. Do some spoofing if you just have this this data. So it looked like some very basic types of web application problems that are just manifesting in a different area. So I just want to cover it in that way real quickly. But for those of you who are into the reverse engineering, go ahead and dive in and, and read some more about the um, firmware analysis they did.
1: Yeah. Um, really briefly, just this category of product to me is. Um, Usually to most folks out there, most, well, definitely most security people, if you say, you know, what do you think of if I say cloud-based networking device um, or cloud-managed networking device? Most people are like, oh my God, that sounds like a horrible idea. And this is one example of that. Um, it's an unfortunately, um, the level of effort which we need to put into making these things really secure and the management of them secure tends to not
0: happen. Um, so... We end up with stories like this one. We indeed do. We also end up with stories about fuzzers. And, uh, th- this one about is Google security had a created a new eBPF fuzzer, which we had just talked about Liz Rice, uh, with Liz Rice back in uh, episode 235 about eBPF. And everyone go check out her book if you want to learn more about it. To me, I didn't necessarily want to get into the details of fuzzing the validator other than to point out that it was creating like 35,000 programs per minute to, to go test it, which is pretty awesome. And they did point out one CVE so far that, that that the fuzzer has found. And I think that is sort of the measure of what we want to look at in terms of the trade-off of Cool new tools, the engineering resources to implement, maintain a fuzzer, and is it finding bugs? It's it's a little bit hard to, to think of, but there's a JS Fun fuzz that's famous in uh Firefox Mozilla land, and it has a few thousand vulnerabilities that is found against it. And John, you also found another article about fuzzing. So clearly um there there's something good going on here.
1: Yeah, lots of uh lots of fuzzy love. Um I think it's quite yeah, I'll say astonishing that if they're generating 35K um, uh, eBPF programs, basically apps per minute, and they're still only finding that few fault, that's, that's significantly less than I would have expected. So hey, kudos. It on is that. impressive. Yes. Um, but yes, uh, Amazon uh, AWS in particular announced SnapChange, which is another fuzzer. Um, and what they're doing, which is a little different, is it is based, um, it uses uh, KVM, the hypervisor. Um, Alternative to Zen, which most people, well, many people would think of. Um, and what that gives you is part of the problem with any of these fuzzing systems is getting the application to that state where then you are testing the thing you want to fuzz. Because usually what you're looking for is to crash the ap- application. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you're, you're looking for an application to show something which is a sign there's a vulnerability, it could be a crash, it could be some sort of execution if you're really lucky, depending on how you're fuzzing. but It, there's a lot of work to get, you know, the program up and running, configuration read, things set up in the particular way you want for this particular fuzz test and all that work. And that's, you know, if you have to do it every single time, the test, the actual fuzz test itself is probably, I'd say like 5% of the program execution. The rest is, is setting everything up for that. So, um, what some of the folks at Amazon have figured out is, well, let's run the application in a, in a virtual machine. Let's take a snapshot of it. Um, at the, when we have it at the state where we want to actually do the, the fuzz test, take a that snapshot and then have snap change, give that snapshot, give that snapshot to snap change and then have it refire up the, the VM at that, from that snapshot and then go ahead and run the test. So it allows you to, it's automating a part of that, that workflow. So, um, that seems pretty neat. Um, and yeah, again, it's, it's, you have to be, this is not to be clear, something you could just go run on, AWS. Um, while I believe there's still KVM underneath, they're not going to let you take a, a snapshot or run like that. Um, I, I, that's an exercise for our listeners. There is the ability to take snapshots of your VMs in EC2, and then you could turn those into AMIs. But yeah, I wouldn't have a memory. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. Someone can play with that and come back to us. Um, I think that'd be a, an interesting thing to look at as well to use the cloud for that. But um, yeah, another example of, of, of fuzzing love.
0: Fuzzing love. And as you pointed out, it's getting that app into a state so that it finds that little bug mm-hmm. and, uh, that, that can be fixed. Cause one of the things I love about crashing, about fuzzing is that if it crashes, that's a bug to fix. Now, there may yeah. be a distinction of it. Is it, uh, vulnerable or exploitable or not? But fixing bugs is a good thing. Um, not fixing bugs is a worrying thing. Um, what about this smart plug that's not going to get fixed?
1: Yeah. So I think my comment in the show notes were, um, we have this grand collection of, of IoT type things that, that are not getting, you know, they're being called end of life to, even though they have vulnerabilities in them. So instead of having technical debt, do we now have vulnerability debt? And I think that's where we'll start seeing. Um, in and of itself, it, it's uh, the vulnerability is quite basic. So there is a name field which can take up to 30 characters for the device. Some folks figured out if you um, send um, a rename API call, and give it more than 30 characters, you're gonna do a buffer overflow. And as we've learned over the years, once you have a buffer overflow now, it's like, how do you get it to execute um, something in memory? And they figured that out as well. So they're able to, um, it, it, it's a smart plug, right? So it's gonna be on a network. Hopefully it's not gonna be published to the internet, but it there's somewhere someone could remotely <laughs> turn your thing on and off, whatever your thing is. Um, but the interesting part why it got sort of mentioned here is, so Wemo is now owned by Belkin. And Belkin has said, "Oh, we end life to that version of that plug." So, best of luck. Um, and I, I think this is this is going. We've already talked about this before, and I didn't want to spend too long on it. But like, as these things go on over the next few years, um, I think there's some projects out there now which are trying to open source some of these things and keep them passionate up to date. This is probably, I'm guessing, it's a266, so you can probably flash uh, Tasmoda or something else onto it. But like, that's something that. I can do I've got pictures out on Instagram of me like actually soldering the wires to get the serial on there to update it um but that's not the average user so how do we how do we keep these things secure over time I mean when they're that cheap to pick up and you know you have them in a drawer until you use them by the time you get around to using them, it could be you know no longer
0: supported, and that's not great. <laughs> that's not great. Uh, between, I'm, I'm adding best of luck to, um, our app second three words. Not yes. going to commit you as that is your official <laughs> answer, but, uh, best of luck sounds pretty like good. <laughs> there's also, uh, there's, there's two behemoths doing a bunch of stuff in, in articles this week. Intel is removing some, some, some code, you know, removing some legacy support, which I'm always a fan of the, 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 the principle of deleting code is mm-hmm. a, security benefit now obviously we i i don't mean like deleting the authorization mechanisms or deleting things that are you know that, that break down security boundaries but getting rid of legacy code code that's yes. not executing yes. so um yeah tell us more about this
1: yes so this is a um started as a blog post from uh i believe it's one of the engineers over at intel on the on the chip side so um think through the, the history of um everyone of of Intel x86, well, it's now called it, well, yeah, x86. So, back to the 8086, 286, 386, 486, Pentium, blah blah. Here we go. Um, those were originally the 8082 was the first one, no, 8084 was um, 8-bit instruction set, or maybe 4-bit, then 8-bit instruction set, then 16-bit. And basically, you don't really need too much, too many bits on the instruction side, but you definitely need it on the memory side as we have more and more memory. Um, long story short, we've been carrying the. They got rid of 16-bit. Um, support, I want to say about a decade ago, it could be longer. Now they're actually thinking about getting rid of 32-bit support. Um, So for average Joe, we don't care, but even just to boot um, an operating system onto your system, you start in a 32-bit mode and then you have to do what's called a trampoline to get up into a 64-bit execution mode. Um, And that's where most of your your stuff happens nowadays. But you're still still able to have backward support for 32. So that's, that's the overall picture here. But the thing is, since they're thinking about getting rid of that 32-bit support, as Mike was saying, um, hopefully that should decrease our footprint of potential vulnerabilities. Um, but at the same time, as folks now have to go through and either maybe just a simple recompile their app, well, it's it's simple recompile to you or me, right? But that means the code is changing underneath the assembly code. so possibility of adding new new bugs in their 64-bit code it hadn't been tested possible I'm, I'm i'm grasping for straws here i i get that send you know the the hate comments to mike at securityweekly.com um but uh yeah so it, we're making a change anytime we make a change there's a possibility we're going to introduce more vulnerabilities so um again as i was talking about before in the last half is um, beside us nerding out on this how would you talk about that to your development team Or other folks, and think about okay, well, what does this mean to us? Um, Is this a security thing? Uh, Even just the fact that you're having to spend time on that 64-bit thing versus you know um, uh, more logging—that's taking away time that could have been used for security. So, just think about how you think about, or if it makes any difference to you at all, or or, um, maybe Mike and John should talk about something else.
0: (laughs) Well, the other so there's another way of also approaching these types of you know. Issues is not just deleting code, but refactoring or re-implementing code. And this is what Microsoft has been talking about and many others, you know, Linux kernel, we've been talking about this before, Android, Mozilla, starting with Mozilla and the browsers. But uh, I linked to some slides, some videos about just Microsoft's thinking on this. And, you know, part of it is talking about moving big rocks. So rather than the idea of eliminating entire bug classes or going after those common reasons we have Patch Tuesday now for almost twenty years, and they mention running as admin, unrestricted platform, and memory safety. Now, adopting Rust clearly is targeted towards memory safety, and and I think I wanted to mention those other two: running as admin, unrestricted platform, because you could potentially have memory safe code that still, you know, still is exploitable, still creating vulnerabilities in those other areas. So, is but we want to focus on this is the Vulnerability class. This is something to, to tackle and we have to write some code to do it. So rather than go and lint all their code, go and fix all the C and C++, they're saying, uh, we, 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 we've learned a bit about how modern arch- software architectures look, how design works from what that we've learned. Let's go and try and fix some of the important stuff. So hopefully they're, I don't think they're going to be re-implementing calc for all the pop calc proofs of concepts, but, um, they'll hopefully be doing something that is uh, more fundamental within the w- within the OS. So um,
1: I'll give a slight preview. There's an article which I found this morning. It's actually a, one of the talks from uh, KubeCon that was given by uh, um, Greg Castle and some of the um, Google security team that um, I'm going to have in here next week. I want to actually watch it first. But um, some of the, the brief things I saw on the, on the Twitter this morning was they were talking about basically... The, the the talk is is around um, uh, getting rid of root user containers. Containers have to be root user because that's breakout issues. Um, but they go through like a few basic challenges of why people weren't using root, weren't using non root containers, weren't building non root containers, and you just hit upon a few of them as like you know, there's some standard things we can do out there to get rid of um, root and some of these things. And the result of that is you suddenly narrow this the, that footprint again in, in a significant way, and it seems like that's our theme today is narrowing that footprint. But that's um, um, it's super important, and it's again it's one of those things that do you need to focus on all of the OWASP top ten, or do you need to work looking more hardening your app, your application environment? And Yeah, it's something to think about.
0: Something to think about. And we usually don't talk about APTs or the threat actors too much. Although I did have some fun with, um, Microsoft's new, new taxonomy of APTs, but you grabbed something, John, that was kind of yes. interesting. Maybe it does tie. I think it ties into some of this memory safety we we're just talking about. Yeah. Stack rum. Let's get ready to rumble. I can't do the yes. voice, but man, let's get ready to rumble. We'll have to, uh, have to get someone to do something. Uh, that. Yes, exactly. Fix it in post.
1: Um, uh, yeah. So trend micro, um, uh, I can't, I think APT 41. Hey, it's is APT 41. Um, trend micro found these guys doing something a little new and different. So this thing called stack rumbling. What's that? Uh, and what that is in a nutshell, if I can find it in the doc, I know it's in my show notes um, is yeah. So they figured out, and this is a windows thing. And I, I haven't run Windows on a desktop in a long, long time. I probably should just get my hands dirty again, but um, what they are doing with Windows nowadays is you're able to specify um, uh, a collection of options around how that, pr- how an application starts or how it runs um, from think like a uh, um, memory configuration point of view and things like that. So um, the fine folks over at uh, APT41 or, or some of their consultants, have figured out that um, one of the options in there you can set is the minimum amount of stack size for an application to, for, to run. So what they have figured out is if you set that minimum stack size to the max stack for the machine or the maximum amount of memory for that machine, when it goes to, when the operating system goes to uh, allocate the environment for it and set up memory and things like that, it goes, oh, I don't have enough memory to be able to allocate that stack size. So it just doesn't run the program. It exits with an out of memory error are not in memory not available, you get the idea. So why do these guys care about this? They are now going through, they look for, uh, when they're installing their malware, their loader will look for what other antivirus or um, EDR or different sort of um, security tools are running on there. And if they see them running, they will um, update their configuration to set the max um, stacks, the minimum stack size to the maximum memory. And then they'll terminate the program. And then when it goes to try and restart, it ain't going to restart. So they're basically, they found a way to DOS the system to not allow the security tools to run. So, um, interesting. It's, and I, the reason I'm bringing it up here just from the, the academic of it is, again, it's, you know, something which, a tool which was never thought of to be used that way. Um, could you do that with Java? That's, I haven't tried this yet, but like, um, with, when you're firing up a, a Java VM, you're able to specify your, your minimax, um, memory size, I believe. I know you can do max. I think you can do min. So could you do something similar with Java applications? And that wouldn't have, hopefully you're not running your security tools, your antivirus in Java, because then we, have a, we should have a talk. Um, but yeah, sort of interesting, you know, how something which was initially supposed to be um, designed to help people or help developers set up a program to run correctly can now be used in a nefarious way.
0: Yeah, and um, let's let's make a call back to uh, the OWASP top ten with uh, insufficient logging and monitoring. Hopefully, you do as an org have some monitoring with your security tools. You know, if those processes are dying and not restarting, um, but it gets into the idea of that can be a lot of noise. So, which ones are the signals? Which ones are the noise? Um, we've had speaking of noise, I just grabbed a real quick um article this is more of just um, from from pi pi that over the weekend they had to have suspend new user new project registrations because they were just A massive volume of malicious users malicious packages and this one was not so much as something that's new it's more of just pointing out to the volume and they were relying on people to do a lot of the review a lot of the reaction here so there's a there's a uh, impedance mismatch if you will between attacker and defender here and this is where if we're talking about where could we spend more time what if we spent more time helping Counter these types of scenarios, so PiPi could rely on some more automation to help, uh, you know, defend against malicious use of their of their um, project repo. Not sure I can pull anything more interesting out of that. It was just a quick comment. So I don't know if you have anything there.
1: Vaguely related to that and I haven't looked into this too quickly. I did did add it didn't add it into our show notes, but you just made me think of it. Um, there was an article out there. I'll go back and add it in. Um, there's another Python packaging system um, called P- Rye because what we all need is another packaging system, um, and I didn't look at it too closely yet. Apparently, it's sort of they're they're taking the learnings of Cargo and Rust and trying to apply that to Rye, um, so uh, a little more bootstrapping involved. In or it does a little more bootstrapping than what you see by default with Pip, um, but it could be sort of interesting for folks to look at that as well. If, if but it, I'm guessing it's still going to use. Pi pie behind the scenes so i don't know we'll throw it in people can look and tell us what it does we'll keep an eye there yeah, yes and, and
0: by all means too i just i'll generalize that a little bit to let us know are there are certain areas of focus that you'd love to hear us um grab more of in these articles or in these topics please we'd love your feedback i did for as much as we were talking about top 10 lists i went and literally got a top 10 vulnerabilities in 2022 so this is from sneak it is behind a reg wall um so for those of you that want to throw up some information into to fill out a form and submit it, but the reason I wanted to grab this, it uh, talks about directory traversal CWE twenty two. Um, so that's one of my favorite uh, vulnerabilities. So I thought that was pretty awesome to see it's still alive and kicking, um, you know, for for being an ancient vulnerability. How is uh...
1: I, that uh, well, like hold that thought. Here's, so, 10, go,
0: go ahead. Here, so <laughs> uh, hold that thought, John, because there were actually two. I, I went and read through the top ten and there were two that kind of made me shrug or go, really? Um, so number eight was sensitive cookie with HTTP only flag. This sounds like bug bounty cruft. I'm not sure yeah. that one, that that one doesn't really excite me. And then there was another one, clear text transmission of sensitive information. And I was like, I get the importance of that, but browsers are, you know, opportunistically HTTPS or HTTPS only. I was a bit confused how that one makes a list too. So
1: that, I mean, those two things sound like things I talked about with the customers 15 years ago. So, was this a top 10 list of things that they're finding in software or a top 10 list of, of actual issues in the, uh,
0: yeah, these were code vulnerabilities in 2022. Hmm. So, um, and we can, we can probably use that on a, on another topic sometime to talk about CVSS scores and, uh, CWEs and CVEs and just which ones should we bother with fixing? Spoiler, almost none of them. And could which just, ones should we care about? Could we do a top 10 CVSS score? <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to work on that. Well, I'm thinking of that. Um, there was also there was speaking of designs, there's a new RFC coming out from Apple and Google that's picking up from work they've already done. So uh, Apple and others, you know, uh, small players in, in, this, in this area have uh, location trackers, you know, that you can the physical device you can throw on somewhere and track your lost luggage, track your something, whatever you wanted to to track the location of. But obviously this comes with abuse scenarios of tracking people. And so Apple did develop a way to say, hey, there is a unattended tracker near you. But of course, if that only works within the Apple ecosystem, that's not great for everybody. That's outside that ecosystem. Same thing would be for Google. So Apple and Google are getting together, working on a standard about interoperability here. And for me, it was uh, one, I just wanted to highlight that aspect of the, the privacy safety issues that come of this. But RFCs, RFCs, Bear with me. RFCs can be fun to read from a security perspective because it's a great way to look at protocols. Think about what are some threat scenarios and ways you might attack the protocol and then compare what the RFC describes to how a protocol might be implemented, and it's that 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 the, the those gaps between design and implementation that we often see vulnerabilities come from. So, if if you're out there trying to think about new new presentations or topics to to think about for for Hacker Summer Camp or another B sides, poke around at this RFC or or some other new ones that are coming out. So that that's the angle I wanted to to, to take on that one.
1: I did give a scan of the RFC. It looks. Um it, it's it, it looks like it still needs a bit more work um it's and again this the rfc is for the trackers overall not just for um uh, privacy uh the privacy aspect the anti-tracking aspect of it that's covered in there um and yeah it's, i don't know about you mike i think this is the first time i've looked at an rfc our first time i've heard of a new rfc and i don't it's been a while for me so um Sort of nice to see, you know, should, should not be in all caps again. It's been a while.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Yes. And I do, I do enjoy reading the HTTP2, HTTP3 quick, though those, those have come, come out as, um, I think uh, both those as RFCs as well. So it is fun to read, but man, there, in, in web land, uh, is there's definitely feels like a dearth of new protocols, uh, that, that are coming. There also one real quick highlight. Uh, I have two links to conferences. There's some playlists of videos available from uh, real, World, real, real World Crypto. And besides SF, uh, the the Real World Crypto is a write up from NCC Group. It can have some pointers of some things you might be interested. in. I mentioned those in passing. Another article in passing is a survey from the OpenSSF. They're looking for Software security awareness. You know, what does, what do people think of when they think of OpenSSF? Do they? What do they think of the OpenSSF projects and the direction they're going? So I wanted to highlight this. Uh, there's, we've talked uh, throughout 2022 and 2023. There's been talk about OpenSSF as well as OWASP for that matter about what direction should it be going? What, what, are, what are the types of projects, uh, they should be adopting? So I wanted just to uh, call to action because I know surveys are always really hard to get, uh, responses for. Mm-hmm.
1: And for folks listening, the the reason these guys are doing surveys like this is it really is, there's a group of, you know, usually volunteers that are like going, okay, we've got an idea, we want to work on something, but they're looking to see us as something which really matters to the community. So whereas someone, and again, I'm not casting as I'm not sort of casting bad juju on on OWASP, but I am picking on them, Um, where OWASP could go and say, hey, let's do a top 10 vulnerability list for, um, I don't know, Raspberry Pis, um, instead, what's happening here is the folks are reaching out to the community and saying, hey, is this important to you? Or which aspects of this are important? Or which do you feel you would like to see more, um, uh, either research or papers or help with? So um, it, it takes a few minutes to fill out those surveys like this, and it helps a lot of people.
0: It does. You know, It's that idea of what are your pain points? Let mm-hmm. us know so we can hopefully help them. Um, one other thing we've been talking speaking of NCC group i did grab another report we yes. talked about this a while ago about aws nitro and i, I think this actually got you pretty interested john so I that's do. the other reason i wanted to throw this in here and they talk about you know basically the report says these security claims stand up um which is okay good it, so it's not necessarily a meaty report i've i Grab this more as a wish that I wish the, uh, the assessment methodology, uh, was, was more robust or in, in this report or other public reports of this type, because I think this assessment methodology is where other people could learn from. That's, that's a real educational aspect. So I don't know if such things exist, but, um, if they do, listeners, please let me know and, uh, we'll, we'll cover them. We'll, we would love to highlight that. But, uh, John, AWS Nitro, did this, uh, how did this yeah. rev your engine? Um,
1: yeah, I really dig nitro. Um, I've, I think we mentioned before, um, I just had in my notes from last year's, uh, reinvent, uh, CMP 301 is a deep dive on a- AWS nitro system. Uh, it's a great talk. Um, I've been going the last few weeks. I've been going back listening to, uh, Peter, it's not Murphy, Peter, uh oh, gotta get it quickly. Uh, Peter DeSantis's, uh, Monday night live, um, talks from, um, reinvent years, and he tends to go really deep into some of these things. Um, so yes, my eyes lit up when I saw this, this, you found this paper, Mike. But at the same time, yeah, it's I, I was looking for more depth on it. I, I get that they're trying to have a third-party review of this so that right. you know their large customers have faith in it, but I'd love to see those guys get one of these Nitro cards and actually spend some solid time with it because um, that's when you'll um, really get a sense of what that's like so um it'd be I'm I'm guessing Amazon goes to all sorts of trouble that we're not going to see these things floating out on eBay anytime soon <laughs> um true. I'm guessing those are are qualitatively either shredded or um apple wise sort of desoldered and, and used in an environmental way, but it'd be great to grab our hands on one of these and just really sort of hack on it for a few months see what comes out of it
0: if they show maybe yeah maybe there'll be a Defcon Nitro village in a, yes. in a year or two if anyone's going to get 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 their hands on one of these, it'll be the a Defcon village Part of this report, as I mentioned also, the assessment methodology, part of that is, you know, what are the threat models, the threat scenarios they they put together? And for me, I I did raise my hand, for those of you who are paying attention in the last segment, when uh, John was talking about who likes threat modeling. I did raise my hand. uh, None of the developers did. Um, No surprise. (laughs) Sorry, spoilers. But hopefully you already listened to that segment. However, I only like doing threat modeling with a Google Doc. A document and maybe something to draw on a whiteboard, a Visio, if Visio still exists or whatever the modern version is. Um, I'm not a big fan of tools because tools seem to me more of an appsec. It would be great if all the developers filled this out and all the developers look at that and say, mm, mm. How does that help me? Um, this So here's a tool, Deciduous, from Kelly Shortridge, who we just talked about, um, and her kitty link also appeared on the, the episode, Purring into the Microphone. But this one at least looks like a tool that is turns bullet points into a diagram. And I like to live in markdown. Um, so this one looks a little bit more approachable for me, for those of you out there who want some tools. Or, John, you say uh, commonly that uh, you're very visual. Yes. You like pictures. So hopefully this is something that might work for you.
1: Yeah, this is um uh it yeah, someone could really have fun with the eye tracking of this because when when, <laughs> when I saw this you had this link. My eyes just immediately went to the graph on the left and probably after five minutes I'm like, oh there's markdown on my eyes went to the right where the, the the diagram is and after about five minutes I'm like, oh there's markdown at eleven. <laughs> didn't even see it. <laughs> but yeah, know this is I think tools like this are really helpful, right because part of you mentioned Visio, which is close to my heart and I, I I used to know it like the back of my hand. Um But the reason that we have some of the problems we have with these tools is the learning curve, like Visio, man, um, takes a while to get to learn really well. Um, And it's out there still with OmniGraffle and one or two other tools. People are doing more web-based stuff for that. Um, Designing, um, art diagramming. But yeah, it takes a while to actually get to learn the tool. But what you're really trying to do is, you're trying, and this is why the whiteboard is amazing, right? Like grab a pen, grab a whiteboard and just start doing, like, you know, move the hand back and forth. Don't worry about it and talking to people um you don't have to worry about what the tool is and then at the end of the time you just take a snapshot with your phone or whatever have you and you let someone else go and turn it into a diagram um or fumble and figure out the tool and try to turn it into a diagram and that's part that's i think what's interesting about um deciduous is that it allows you to um both visually see what's going on but also be able to just throw something into markdown and like have it there and like it's the tool is not the the goal right it's sort of like threat modeling for most people is not the goal it's it's you're actually trying to figure out what is the actual threat and how you get to it so
0: need. Well, absolutely. And it just gives me the chance to say, take, out a, take a leaf from Kelly's book, read about security chaos engineering, and play with some attack trees on deciduous. Um, any, we've had a bunch of questions for, for for listeners about more information, things to focus on. Any final questions you want to throw their way, John, as we wrap up our news for the week?
1: I'm really liking that theme we had from the last half hour of about... Um, How do you communicate? How do you empathize with someone else? How do you, you know, it's, it's, and and that's, I think what application security the other day is We're, we're trying to make the applications more secure, but it's a security person doing that usually who doesn't have hardcore developer background. There, there's some of those folks out there. Um, I might consider myself in that group, but usually it's how do you, you know, it's one person trying to figure out how do you get the other person interested to help you make that better. So, always think about how do you you know it's it's it is frequently in my mind in the back of my head like how do i actually get this how do i communicate this to a different group of people so i think that's um useful for people to think about while they're
0: listening to us or others indeed and i want to thank you for helping uh helping me communicate all these new all these news articles for for this segment and about all the top 10 list as well so thank you very much Sean. thank you everyone else for joining us please do subscribe hit that like button check out the show notes and speaking of darkwave check out careful by Boy Harsher. We'll see you next time on Application Security Weekly.